Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Oddcast, Movies, Music and Games. This is now different from the A New Winter podcast. Uh, If you guys had listened to a previous episode, you would know that I announced that that is now um, coming to an end and instead being replaced by the Oddcast. And here with me is Daniel Gallagher. Hello, Dan. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, Yes, this is all new and weird, isn't it? Um, It's new, hopefully not too weird. Uh, The content should be though. It's true. That's true. So for people that maybe didn't listen, um, the idea is that basically we are going to be doing a lot of what we've been doing um, towards the latter part of New Winter Culture Culture anyway, which is touching on the kind of fringes of the the mainstream, things that might be a little bit weird and a little bit odd in that sense. And uh, so, yeah, the first uh, episode that we're going to be doing today on this is a game and the game it's from Software's Bloodborne that was released in 2015, five years ago, half a decade ago. So what makes this game odd? Well, basically, you're a hunter that is living off the blood of these other creatures in this weird HP Lovecraft-type world where these interdimensional creatures are basically, yeah, perving on you, which is um, which is lovely. And that's what, you know, that makes it a little bit odd. So it's a good, uh, a good first edition of the Oddcast, I feel. Not that odd, just a normal Wednesday for me.
Welcome home, good hunter. What is it you desire? Yarnum is the home of blood ministration. You need only unravel its mystery. But where's an outsider like yourself to begin? Easy, with a bit of Yarnum blood of your own. Whatever happens, you may think it all a mere bad dream. Long ago, Old Yarnum was overrun by the plague of beasts and left to rot and decay. And now the only voices heard there are the howls of beasts. The blood satiates us, soothes our fears, but beware, the frailty of men. The blood that makes us human, makes us more than human, makes us human no more. Good hunter, your presence somehow soothes. What is it you desire? And so, the hunt begins again. Sounds a bit like Stranger Things, maybe. You know what? It is a bit like Stranger Things. And, um, you know, the idea that there's the, what do they call it? Like the other side, the underworld or whatever. Um, and there is uh, an element of that. There is definitely an element of that and traveling um, and things existing on the same plane of existence, but in a different parallel universe. Uh, and yeah, I never really thought about um, the fact that Stranger Things is very Lovecraftian and it's whole thing anyway, isn't it, I suppose? It, it, absolutely, yeah. It seems to be, I mean, Lovecraft just in general seems to be at a peak at the moment. Um, it's true. So I can see why this is, popular i mean aside from being odd what did you like about it and um why now five years on does it merit discussion uh i enjoy all the dark souls series as people who listen to this may know and i think this is just as good if not better than the first dark souls which is my favorite of the of the series i love how it looks i love its style i love how it plays and it still holds up in um, every which way, gameplay-wise, graphically as well, um, to what's being released today. And there's still a community out there that love it. And there was a whole thing during the PS5 reveal where people were like wishing for a Bloodborne 2 um, because it's that well-loved. And it's something that I think um, will kind of be known as one of the greatest PlayStation games of all time. So, yeah, so Bloodborne. Well, what is it? So it's an action RPG. Again, same kind of thing as uh, Dark Souls. It's kind of like a gothic, surreal adventure. It's very dark. 
It's lots of blood. I mean, it's called Bloodborne. So you'd feel you'd feel cheated if there wasn't. No, exactly. And um, yeah, it's released on the PS4 only. It's an exclusive, 2015. Sold millions of copies. Got a ton of great reviews. Um, it also had an expansion pack, a DLC pack called The Old Hunters, which is seen as one of the best DLC packs ever, um, which is like another game in itself. And its director was Miyazaki, who, um, as we all know, is the director from software, did all the Dark Souls stuff. And yeah, um, I don't know if you'd heard about this uh, game before, Dan, or if you had any any thoughts on uh, what you were kind of expecting when you kind of went into doing a bit of research on this. Um, I was surprised to see how many people said they'd all rushed out and bought PS4 just on the back of this game. Um, mm. I didn't, you know, realise that games were released like that anymore as exclusives for consoles. I just thought everything's sort of available to everyone. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. Mm. Um, from the like intro um, and teaser videos and things, I was immediately kind of impressed by the, the visuals. Mm. Um I suppose I was expecting something um, maybe about more pure fantasy. So I quite liked that, like the gothic look yeah. um, where it exists within, you know, something you can relate to. Um, although obviously then the creatures and things that you see, as we've said already, are quite uh, out there in that mm. Lovecraftian sense. Um, but it kind of reminded me of like Gotham City, you know, from the Tim Burton films. Yep. Um, yeah, but yeah, all of that, I thought that looks, all looks cool and looks very intriguing. And I can see why that would be a good setting for a game like this. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's an element where um, Miyazaki, uh, there's, uh, well, and him and others where Japanese people have a certain understanding of what European culture is like. Um, so it's, uh, a Japanese interpretation of you know a European city basically and the kind of horror and gothic nature that comes with it because they don't have it and I always think that's quite interesting it's something we'll come on to a little bit more later um, about how you know visually um, it doesn't it exists on its own thing almost if that makes sense it's not um, I think they they would have done like a whole bunch of research and uh, you know some um, in European cities and architecture and stuff like that. But this does feel very much its own style. And I think that's what makes it really unique and what brings, keeps people coming back is that um, it's just so different and so odd um, that it's, it's very hard to like uh, find anything that's even close to it. It's been filtered through another culture. Yeah, Exactly. Um, and then, of course, that makes me think of all the kind of different spirits um, and gods and monsters in uh, Japanese history and folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already th- thinking now from some of these videos that I've seen, some of the creatures and monsters that um, I've seen them in other Japanese films, um, some anime. Mm. Well, not not the exact specific ones, but like yeah, that. Same look, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So we're going to be talking about, um, we'll talk a bit about the story and we're going to that. So there will be some spoilers for that. Um, if just to warn you, basically, we'll talk about the, uh, the gameplay, a little bit about the multiplayer stuff. Um, and yeah, we'll also talk about the design and music and stuff like that. So we're going to take a look at all aspects of the game. Um, and 
yeah, kind of come to a conclusion about about what we think and thought of it. Um, I should say that I have played it in its entirety, and yeah, Dan has uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, seen it. I had I had a little look, a goosey gander. Yeah. So if people are looking for, I just want to say, if people are looking for like a real deep dive on what everything means on um, all the law and stuff like that. That isn't this. It's just going to be a general look at the game. But there are tons of places where people go into deep dives about all that stuff. Um, and I highly recommend you look at it. Even if you played it and you weren't really sure what's going on, take a look online and just, uh, there's a great essay that I found um, on Reddit actually, which is breaks down uh, chronologically the entire um, plot or uh, inferred plot as well of the game. And it's a really great reading and it kind of clarified a few things to me because this game gets weird. It starts weird and it gets even weirder. Um, so saying that, let's go into the plot. So um, the plot itself is very uh, hard to um, describe, mainly because uh, Miyazaki is well known for not um, letting his audiences uh, in on the whole thing. So whereas with other games, there's lots of, um, uh, yeah, there's lots of exposition, there's lots of like, you know, um, diaries or whatever and stuff around that kind of fills in all the story. It's like story everywhere. It kind of makes, really hammers it home, what the point that it's trying to make at each time. Miyazaki doesn't do that. Um, he leaves it up to you. You can go through the whole game, like I've done with pretty much every single one of these games, um, without knowing what the fuck is going on, basically. <laughs> you have no clue. You've completed it. You're like, I've no idea what I've just done or what relevance it has to anything. Um, but that's part of the beauty of it. And then a lot of his stuff uh, you find through like item descriptions or like just looking at the design of the level. So there might be like a certain statue of something um, in a certain place. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Enemy placement, things like that. It's like, well, what's that enemy doing here? That means X, Y, Z. Um, and little snippets of dialogue and things that like, if you listen to it, um, well, if you listen to it as you play, it just makes absolutely zero sense until you, and you really have to like think about it in the context that they're saying it. Um, so the story you have to really work for to get out. Um, but there are some like basic um, I would say um, things of the plot that you do kind of uh, pick up along the way. So I'm going to kind of just try and describe it as much as I can. But I should say there's like, there's lots of NPCs you meet along the way who have their own like narrative arcs. There are lots of like... Who's an NPC? Uh, an NPC is a non-playable character. Um, so essentially just other people in the game that like have a name that aren't... Well, they don't give you a little bit of jibber jabber. People walking around. Yeah, um, that's what you know. That's what I always think of as, as an NPC. Um, uh, but yeah, that's what it means. Non-playable character. So there's a few people who have their own little stories and stuff, um, and most of which I would say during my run through, I didn't even touch upon. I had no idea about anything. Um, and yeah, so I'll kind of get into that a little bit. And the ones that I um, kind of played through, because uh, I think it's it's really cool the way they do it um and i think you know you'd really appreciate it actually as well dan that you know it's um a lot of it's inferred rather than actually you know point blank having someone just sit there and tell you exactly what's going on 
But yeah, um, and I like games and films and things, you know, that reward uh, a deeper analysis. It depends. Sounds like you can just play this at an absolutely superficial level and have a good experience, right? Yeah, that's, or I mean, that's the thing. If you want to dig around and uh, talk to as many people as you can and pick up everything you can, then you're probably going to have a richer experience, right? Yeah, and part of the longevity of the games, um, of all the Soulsborne, as they're called, the Dark Souls, Bloodborne games, whatever, um, is that it's all up for interpretation. So there's a lot of discussions, there's a lot of YouTube videos um, where people just try and work things out, basically, and what things mean, because there's no definitive answer necessarily for any of this. Um, mm. So it's it's all quite cool. But yeah, that's part of the beauty of, of the games and why people like it. It's because you kind of, you're filling in the gaps yourself um, with a lot of this stuff. Uh, and it kind of, you know, try to hints at stuff along the way. But essentially, um, a lot of it is up for yeah, interpretation, which is great. M- mostly in Dark Souls, I'd say, but mainly there's a lot of that here that kind of goes on as well. But I feel like this has a bit more, um, I don't know, they all have a bit more of a narrative. But uh, the opening intro to the game is basically your, <laughs> you kind of wake up and someone's like putting blood into you, this like special blood or whatever. And then this werewolf comes to like kill you, but these little creatures save you um, and you get whisked away, basically. Who are you? you? Well, exactly. Who are, it's a good point. Who are you? You're just some guy. So you don't, you're just you. Um, it's very strange. Then uh, you wake up. Already this... poses a huge philosophical question. Yeah, exactly. It's what well, it is. It's a good point. Like you don't know anything about your character really whatsoever going in. Um, okay. And... Yeah, you're just told that you're um, that there's a hunt going on, whatever that means. Um, and yeah, you wake up in this clinic and you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> and basically, um, you find that each time that you die, you go to somewhere called the Hunter's Nightmare, which is this tiny self-enclosed place um, where there's this guy uh, um, whose name I should remember, but I don't. It begins with G. Um, and I'm going to get lambasted by the Bloodborne fans for not for not remembering that. Um, but there's this guy in a wheelchair, basically, who's like, hey, welcome to the Hunter's Dream. Um, you know, it's, it's great. And there's this little doll that after a while comes to life and that's who levels you up and all this stuff. But you've got this little place. And then what happens is you go back into the, let's say, real world through this dream. So you're kind of, um, you're dying, but you're being um, rejuvenated at certain areas, certain points where these um, little lamps are throughout the game. So, um, so anyway, it's like, all this stuff is really weird. You go out into what's called Yarnum, uh, which is the city. And basically there's these like villagers, let's say like with all these like weapons and they're out to kill you. Um, the idea is that, yeah, it's the night of the hunt and you find out basically later on that what happens is that there's this blood that's come from somewhere, which we'll kind of get onto a bit later. And it's basically tainting people. It's like a cure-all thing, right? Like you're sick, you take this blood, you get better, right? But what's happening is people are turning into beasts, essentially like werewolves, but like (sighs) big fuck off ones, basically. Um, And so the idea is that to kind of keep everything on the down low and make sure that, you know, no one's getting, um, uh, no one's kind of looking too deeply at it. um, Hunters uh, go out at night and essentially kill the beasts and Good idea. cover it cover it all up. 
Um, yeah, control it all. Exactly. But the problem is, is that villagers are kind of getting a bit like blood drunk, uh, essentially. Um, they're kind of taking it upon themselves to go and kill things as well. Um, so that's kind of when you woken up and you're a bit like, by the way, you don't know any of this stuff really until later. So you're just kind of like, there's these villagers that are trying to kill me, these weird people. Um, and you basically work your way through different areas and you find out a little bit about the fact that there was like this group that were like all about the blood and, you know, there was like a church and all this stuff and they're like, this blood will save people. And they're the ones that had like the hunters, they trained all the hunters and all this stuff. And then you've got um, a kind of second opposing thing that started at the same place, but like the, the people splintered off and did their own, set up their own groups. So there's this one group, it's all about the blood. There's this other group that are basically saying, oh, it's not about the blood, it's about insight. Um, and they talk about, you know, the fact that um, there's more going on in the world than this and that the blood is bad because it's tainted and it will end, it will turn you into a beast and stuff, which it, you know, it does. Um, and so along the way, like there's one, one of the, the first proper, you, you encounter a couple of bosses, whatever, but the, one of the first proper bosses that's like a real difficulty spike is this guy called Father Gascoigne, which makes me think of Gaza always, yeah. <laughs> um, football player, Paul Gascoigne. And he's a hunter that's basically um, gone feral, essentially. So he's like on the verge of turning into a beast, but he's still of the mindset of like, I've got to go out there and kill beasts. But it seems like he's just killing anyone. He's just gone mad. Um, and you fight him and halfway through the fight, he turns into a beast and you have to kill him as a beast, right? Um, okay. Now, one of the things, uh, and this is the example I was going to give in terms of like the storytelling thing, is that before you even get to him, you can pass by, people are locked up in their houses, but you can like have a little chat with some of them. And one of them, there's this little girl going, have you seen my father? He looks like you, um, essentially meaning that he's a hunter. And yes, could you um, give him this box or whatever? And you get this little like music box, right? Yeah. Okay, whatever. So, um, and none of this is spelled out for you. You're just like, right, okay. Um, And then when you go to this Father Gascoigne fight, if you play the box, the musical box, oh, no, I should say that um, she's going like, oh, my mother's gone to look for him or something as well. It's, I'm, I'm here by myself. My mother's gone to look for him. I don't know where he is. But anyway, you go there. And um, when you play this musical box during the fight, he starts like, you know, going a bit mad, like clutching his head and being like, ah, and all this stuff as if like, it's like the human side of him or something is coming through, something like that. But it means obviously that you can kill him a bit. <laughs> you kind of get free reign to kind of wail on him for a little bit whilst he's doing this. Um, and then in that area, after you defeat him in that area, you can, or you don't have to defeat him first, but whatever, in that area, you find a woman with like a red brooch. Um, and essentially that's the wife, right? So the wife mm-hmm. went to find him and either she's been killed by someone else and it's driving him crazy, or I think it's in, it's inferred that he's killed her. Um, and you get this little red brooch. Now, if you go back to the little girl, you can basically like lie and just be like, oh, I don't know where they are, whatever. Or you could be like, they're dead. <laughs> And give them, give her the brooch, and either, maybe keep the brooch, whatever it is. And then she's like, oh, okay, great. And then you can say to her, oh, there's this um, church, which you come on to later, which, um, or there's a couple of places basically that are like havens for your characters that you find along the way. None of which end well, to be honest. But with this little girl, you could be like, oh, go to the cathedral or whatever. They'll look after you. And she's like, okay, great. Then she never makes it there. 
And if you follow the track, if you were actually to bothered afterwards to follow the track to the cathedral from where her place is, you'll go like under some sewers bit, which you can go to any point. And there's this like big like elephant thing there, which if you um, kill it, you find like an item or something that um, basically says that um, the little girl died there. So, Why would you kill an elephant? Uh, it's this weird like massive pig. But what's great is that there's a point, there's in the game, in the game you can do these like, um, like these massive hits that will kind of stun an animal and then you can go behind and do like this, yeah, this um, huge hit that will like knock off a bunch of energy. But he does it by like plunging his fist into the person and like pulling stuff out or whatever. But when he does it to these big pig things, he's just literally he's just putting his hand up its ass and pulling oh, his lovely. fucking ass. <laughs> it's great. Um, it was the first time I did it. I was like, oh my god, like that's just it's horrific. But so you want that's, something like. You know, you want something visceral from a game like this, right? It's very visceral. I mean, there is loads of blood, like literally everything's, you kill things, you're covered in blood constantly. Um, but that, that um, I, so I'm not going to go into every single uh, NPC character storyline or whatever, but I'll just give that one as an example of like, um, like your actions aren't necessarily like, good. there's no like good or bad, but also you would never, you could go through that whole thing and that never happen, for instance you could go through the whole thing and it happened and you never know what happened to her and you just carry on. But there's also that element of like, they've got these little details everywhere about absolutely everything. And that's like how they think about literally everything. It's so, there's that element of dedication and like, um, you know, artistry about it um, in terms of like the design and the story and how they work together like that, um, which is something like really super unique and really like, really cool basically um so yeah that's just a little example of like the kind of story um how the world tells a story um if that makes sense Mm. making me think of um have you seen that studio ghibli film um princess mononoke Mononoke, yeah yeah another miyazaki yeah i know oh really is it miyazaki video miyazaki i'm not sure i just thought that that uh, image of these giant pigs <laughs> embodied with some kind of dark spirit being battered <laughs> from pillar I mean, to post. Yeah, there is, a, yeah, there's a lot of, um, <clears throat> it's funny enough, a lot of uh, Studio Ghibli stuff or the comics, therefore it came from whatever, have a lot of influence on the kind of Dark Souls, Bloodborne stuff. For instance, there's a lot of, um, uh, people have drawn a lot of parallels between uh, Castle in the Sky and a lot of the artwork that was in the original Dark Souls game in terms of like the mm. trees and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely, there's definitely some kind of inspiration there um, for sure. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> just coming back to the the main plot. So basically you're kind of wandering around, um, you're killing things. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really sure what I was actually doing. It's one of those things where it's like, you've got to get this and go here and do that, but fine. Um, as long as you kill stuff, you're probably safe, right? You're probably on the right lines. Exactly. Well, there's a guy, the guy, Gerald, whatever his name is, has a line which is just like, like, don't worry too much. Just go out there and kill things. That's what you do. You're a hunter. <laughs> um, and that is what you do. So you're just kind of going out there and you're killing stuff. Um, but everyone's kind of connected to this story of like these hunters and what happened with the blood and this tainted blood. And you're, same as Dark Souls, really. You're at a point where it's like the, at the end of like something 
So like everything has decayed, like all that interesting story stuff has already happened and you're on the arse end of it basically, which I think is quite cool. Um, uh, and so, yeah, like there's a lot of people in the, in the stories that you hear about who are now these huge, horrible beasts that were like once men or whatever, or leaders of stuff. And they've just become deformed and deranged after a while, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but basically there comes to a point where you kind of go through a forest, you kill certain things along the way, and then you basically go to this other church, which belonged to the people who believed in this thing called insight, which is an actual thing in the game that you collect. It's an actual um, infantry item, I should say. And you fall through to like the sea and then you battle this basically big blob and you're like, where the fuck am I? And you kill it. And then basically everything kind of goes weird after that. And you realize what happens is that um, there's these Cthulhu type creatures just around. And what's weird is that they've been around the whole game. And there's been parts where you just like, there's some bits where you get like picked up and like killed. You're like, what the fuck just happened? And it's these creatures that are like killing you basically. And they've been invisible, but they've just been sitting there and they're like on all the buildings. And essentially they're saying they've been there the whole time. And so you start realizing that there's this whole thing about these like ancient ones. And then, so the second half of the game is essentially you um, kind of fighting, essentially trying to kill and um, these ancient ones that everyone's like heralding as these like gods. Um, and it, it turns out um, that with the old hunters DLC, um, you kind of go to this fishing village where the first one of these old ancient ones just turned up, just basically washed up like a fucking whale or something. And this creature called the Orphan of Cos um, kind of came out and that's the like final boss of the, of the DLC kill him but yeah all that all the blood kind of initially um like kind of came from there and I, if i remember rightly but also um they've i think they found some of it in uh like a, what's called the dungeons there's these chalice dungeons which i'll kind of get into um and they brought some of it up but it's from another ancient one so there's all these kind of like weird things to do with them getting blood or whatever from these um ancient things but part of like the um, game story is to like seek the pale blood and these ancient ones bleed white. So I think the idea is that you've got to like kill these ancient gods. Um, and anyway, and you kind of, and, and literally, yeah, just put their semen over your face and enjoy it. And um, <laughs> so by, by the end, um, you essentially kill um, this, uh, this creature, this ancient one, and there's this like uh, baby, um, this, like weird, invisible baby ancient one as well, which I think just dies. Um, and it's already weird. And you go into like these like nightmare realms and all this stuff. It gets really like weird and dark. And there's like a whole other plane where like people exist without their bodies and all this stuff. And you go in there and you come back um, and you're bearing in mind like your hub world, your home is the hunter's dream, which is just that it's like this weird dream place it's not like a real thing it's really strange um and basically it ends with like your and the guy in the wheelchair um german or whatever his name is going like okay cool you've done it so now uh if you want i can kill you and you don't have to like be reborn anymore i'll kill you here and you'll see you're dead and you can like rest in peace so you can as an option at the end of the game you can be like okay cool thanks and he'll kill you and that's the end of the game or you could say like no i'm not gonna die and then it's like, okay. And then you take on a boss fight, 
with him, yeah. which, is a, which is a really good boss fight, by the way. It's fucking great. It's really beautiful. It's in the middle of this field. It looks great. If you kill him, then that's the end of the game um, as well. But basically, I think you basically take his place. Um, you see this like ancient creature and then you just become German again. And it's like the whole cycle continues, right? <clears throat> but what if you don't kill him? Well, that's the thing. Well, you have to, you die then and that's the end of the game. Oh. Like, whatever, then you just get reborn as you would normally and you have to take him on again, just like any boss fight. But there's these umbilical cords that you find scattered throughout the game if you do certain things. There's four of them, I believe. Um, and if you eat three of them, um, then uh, what happens is that this ancient creature comes up after you kill German and it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to, you know, kind of take over your mind like I did with him. But you've eaten these umbilical cords of these ancient ones or whatever, and you're like, no, you have no power over me, like Labyrinth. And then you fight this ancient one at the end. And then if you kill him, this is like the good, true, like hardcore ending, you turn into an ancient one baby. So you turn into this weird like baby slug that's like got wow. these tent- tentacles and stuff. And that's the end of the game. And that's what I got. Um, and that's basically and it. So it starts Is that better off, than, than, than just becoming an ancient old one? Well, the, well, that's the thing, is that there's no real, like, good, good ending. It's like you're either dead, well, you're dead, basically, or you turn into this horrible ancient thing, or you basically go, uh, you continue the cycle and you're German or whatever, this guy in this wheelchair that lives in this hunter's dream that just takes on these hunters and tries to get them to kill ancient ones or whatever for some reason. Um is it to kill them or whatever it is? Like, it's so weird. Um, so that's kind of basically the story. It's really super complicated, but it's quite cool the way it kind of starts as this, like, oh, right, whatever. I'm kind of fighting these werewolf things and these villagers. Right, yeah, 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 fine. Oh, okay, yeah, it's all blood. It's all to do with blood. They're like, you know, fine, great. And then it turns into this, like, metaphysical, cosmic, like, epic, weird thing about these, like, interdimensional creatures, which you wouldn't really have expected. Um <laughs> in this game but makes yeah, sense yeah it's quite a mishmash whole... right of yeah stuff yeah. that that stuff about the umbilical cords you know that makes me really think of um david cronenberg you know yeah uh, it doesn't make any logical sense but there's some kind of like body horror about it yeah and there's a lot like in terms of when you look at all the um creatures um and the design of everything because a lot of what from software are really good at is they go to town with the design and they like hide little details, which, um, you know, uh, other games would, wouldn't bother with basically. Um, and there's a lot of like body horror, um, with that as well. Um, with some of the bosses as well that just like, it just looks horrible. It looks disgusting. It looks weird. Um, and that's why it's so cool. And that's what makes it really like, you know, Japanese, <laughs> Japanese and cool. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the plot. That's what the game's about. Um, what, what, how does that sound to you? <laughs> oh, it all sounds a bit much to me. All this killing and uh, fisting a pig's anus <laughs> and eating the infected blood. I just like to have a nice sit down with a game of drafts or uh, that's checkers if you're in America. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> it is intense. No, it sounds... It sounds cool. I like, um, yeah, like you said, I like that kind of like mix of all these different varieties of kind of uh, like cults kind of styles of storytelling. You've got the gothic in there. You've got this mm. like surreal horror. You've mm. got some what sounds like kind of like Japanese folk story, mm-hmm. uh, folkloric kind of uh, 
storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, mishmash of lots of different kind of, um, I think, like myth mythologies. Yeah. So all of that, it sounds like quite a heady brew. It is uh, really heady. a ton of, uh, a bucket full of blood. Yeah. Can't really go wrong, right? Exactly. It's like the whole thing. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. And that's just, that is honestly, that's just like, that sounds complicated, but that's just an overview. Like yeah. there's loads of tons more stuff that's like, um, that's part of it and the different characters involved and all this stuff. Um, like, you know, Lawrence, the first vicar um, and all this stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, I won't kind of, I won't go into all that too much uh, detail, but um, yeah, bloody good stuff. So I guess next we'll kind of talk a little bit about the the gameplay, how it actually plays itself and um, a bit about the multiplayer as well. Yeah, because you might not care about the story at all. Like you said, you can just sort of uh, coast through this a superficial level and just enjoy the uh, the look in the gameplay and uh, smash in some pig's anuses with your sledgehammer. Mm. <laughs> sledgehammer. You do kind of, you can probably have a sledgehammer. Um, that's true. So, yeah, let's kind of go into a little bit about the gameplay itself. So, um, I don't know if anyone out there is familiar with how Dark Souls work works, but it's um, Bloodborne takes a very similar um, like style to it, whereby it's an RPG. So you have stats, and you collect things called blood echoes, and that's basically your currency to level up. And obviously, the more you level up, the stronger you get. But you can put it in different places um, depending on what kind of how you want to play the game, the rest of the game going forward, if you know what I mean. Um, and you have weapons. You have different kind of weapons and there's stuff that you can pick up along the way that will upgrade those weapons. Um, you have like certain buffs and all that that like you might get uh, more uh, blood echoes from a kill, for instance. You've got things that might up your health um, and you have to make a choice on what ones you get, but you also have to find them as well. Um, so there's that kind of RPG element to it, which means you can really like um, personalize your experience and the same with all Dark Souls and people who are into Fashion Souls, which is basically where um, there's just so much uh, costume stuff out there that you can make your character look like whatever. A lot of people love doing a bit of that. And that's the same with Bloodborne as well. There's a, not as much choice as the Dark Souls series, but you can do a bit of that. Um, and the gameplay is a little bit different. So where Dark Souls is kind of like, um, you can play it however you want, but essentially a lot of people play Dark Souls with like a shield and a sword, right? So you shield up when you go into different places. That means that if you get hit, you kind of defend yourself um, and uh, and you've got your sword to actually obviously attack. Um, and the same with uh, Dark Souls as well. Um, there's a dodge button, which gives you basically iframes, which are invincibility frames. So it means that if you can time it right, certain attacks basically won't actually hurt you or hit you, um, which sounds like, oh, that's really easy, but it is the hardest thing to time <laughs> Ever and you are there's a ninety five to ninety six percent probability that you will get hit unless you're like unless you know perfectly when to actually do it. So that's kind of the Dark Souls way of playing. Now Bloodborne has a bit it's a bit different um, because it kind of forces you to attack more. So you don't have a shield, for instance. Instead, you've got a gun and you can have different guns. And what happens is the gun is basically used to 
shock, I guess, like characters. So if they're going to like wind up to attack you, if you shoot your gun, they'll get stunned and then you can hit them. Um, And also what it means is that if you get hit, then uh, you can essentially, um, by hitting back immediately afterwards, you can get back some of your health, um, which, you know, might not sound like a big deal, but it's actually a really big deal um, because it kind of makes you go more on the forward foot. So rather than being a bit more defensive and a little bit like safer, this is asking you to be a bit more risky with how you, with how you play, if that makes sense. Um so yeah, and it's pretty cool. Um, and in Dark Souls, your health was basically with these things called Estus flasks, which at each kind of save point or um, it was a, a, a fire, um, you would get um, a, a, they would refresh and you'd get however many that you would get. And then you get more and more as the game went along and you picked up stuff along the way. And then each time you went to these one places, they would refresh. The, cat, the evil people, <laughs> the evil people, the um, enemies would uh, respawn every time you rest. Same with Bloodborne. Every time you go back to a lantern instead of a fire, um, that all the enemies come back apart from the bosses or whatever. Um, and yeah, but you don't get like a refillable thing in Bloodborne. Instead, you get essentially like health kits, which are blood vials. Um, and the blood vials uh, you are your health and you can carry... Um, up to 20, I think it is. Well, it depends. I think you can change it in, as you kind of go along because it's an RPG and the rest are like basically stored. Um, so you have a certain amount that you can actually carry, but they are consumable. So you don't, they don't just automatically refill. Um, so there's been points where like if I'm taking on a boss and I've used all my blood files, I will have to go and farm, which means basically grinding out um, and, and going to like smaller enemies and killing as many as possible to get back a whole bunch of blood files files to then go on to take on a boss, if that makes sense. Um, and that's kind of like the, how the health system works. Um, so a lot of it is like based on combat and on technique and your weapons and how you use your stats. Um, and there's not much like, um, you know, you're not like jumping up anywhere or things like that. It's quite, quite flat. There is a little bit of platforming in some bits, but not really. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of the gameplay. So every time you die, um, you go back to like the hunter's dream, I guess. Um, and you have to, uh, if you want to get back your blood echoes, which is the currency you've been doing to level up, you will have to venture back to where you were and pick them up. If you die on your way back to where you died the first time around, those blood echoes are gone, which means you could kill a boss. Normally there's a lamp afterwards, but whatever, you could kill a whole bunch of enemies and you haven't reached a lamp, which means you haven't been able to cash them in to level up. You could die and then you die again on your way back and they're gone forever, which people hate because it's essentially um, losing out on experience or whatever. And it feels like you've done it all for now, but it kind of makes it that little bit more edgy when you play because it's kind of all hanging on the line sometimes. Now it's not, it becomes an element like the Dark Souls games where it doesn't, and in Dark Souls, they are souls, where you think it's a big deal to begin with and then you realise it's not actually that big a deal. So I used to get really hung up if I lost like 200 souls or whatever. And then later on down the game, I was losing like, I don't know, 30, 40,000 souls and I wasn't bothered. Huh. So it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like relative. Um, and after a while, you know, you could do a lot of people, the same as Dark Souls, a lot of people go through the whole thing without levelling anything up and they just complete the game that way. You can do that. Obviously, it's really difficult and you have to be a bit of a pro. Um, 
but it is possible. But it is possible. Um, so yeah, and that's that's kind of it, really. You kind of do you pick up a whole bunch of different items along the way and stuff that have certain effects. Um, but yeah, essentially, what you're doing is you've got your gun and you've got your main weapon and you're rolling around and you're shooting things and trying not to get surrounded and being quite methodical because even the smallest enemy um, who you've probably killed thousands of, if he like if you mistime something or you get a little bit too bold, they'll kill you quite quickly. Um, and that's just the way it goes. And that does happen. Um, Sounds very yeah. versatile. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very like, it's very much up for like a lot of, that's what a lot of people like about dark souls. They can, you can do it more in dark souls than in bloodborne really, but um, you can kind of style how you want to play. Um, if that makes sense. Uh, cool. as, you, yeah. as you kind of go along. Um, which is what one of the things really. one of the things um I heard about when I was looking at this game was mm-hmm. the multiplayer aspect, yeah, which sounded quite interesting. How does that all work yeah, so that's um it's not how normal gamers would probably see multiplayer, <laughs> so um again, I know I keep saying like dark Souls, but obviously it's the same thing, but um you so around the world, you could leave messages and stuff, which is cool and does help. Um, but you can also leave like your uh, mark and it basically means that you can summon people, you ring a bell and you can summon people to come and help you within the game and they'll just, they'll appear. Um, and you can do that, uh, you know, co-op or whatever. At the same time, you can also get invaded, which means that someone out there in the world, a real person um, yeah. but there are like NPC versions of this that happen throughout the game for people that play offline but the idea is that someone can come in and try and kill you in your own game whilst you're doing like why would they do that? Um, for one thing they pure malice <laughs> well yeah some of them um, there is an element where um, you'll get uh, you get souls uh, sorry not souls well yeah souls in Dark Souls but in this game you will get um, blood echoes and all this stuff and experience certain items as well but also, the multiplayer aspect, you can join factions in the game. And if you mm. join these certain factions, it means that when you kill other people or whatever that might be like an enemy faction, say, in the in the story, you will get certain item from that, which helps you to level up, basically, in your faction. And you yeah. can get different items at the end of that. So there's like a whole um, other game basically within it cool that, you know you can actually play and what it means so what is if that, you're not in a faction you're not in a faction you're just little jimmy playing on yeah. your own i think you and someone comes along and marauds you rapes and pillages you and leaves you lying in a blood pool yeah is that gonna happen yeah is that a risk wow. it's a risk yeah i think That's quite i think brutal. You can, yeah i think you do you're automatically in like a default faction i might be mistaken but i believe like yeah. Um, you're in, you're in something. Maybe not. Maybe you're not in anything. You're just kind of yeah, little Jimmy just walking around. But yeah, you do have the ability to um, uh, go into a certain um, faction as you go along the way, and you can change. You can chop and change at any point. I believe. I don't think you can. You don't necessarily have to um, stay within that um, certain faction throughout the rest of the game. Whatever you're not, that's not like a blood oath for life kind of thing. Even though they make it that way. Um, but yeah, it's a whole whole other game um within that 
Um, so it's cool. Like I used it, I, you know, I got, um, bearing in mind, I played this um, early. Like I think I completed it at the beginning of this year. There's still tons of people using it, um, which is great. And uh, I used a lot. I used a couple of people, not a lot, but for like a couple of buses, um, I used, uh, tried to get people to co-op and help me out with it, um, yeah. which is very useful. Uh, I did get invaded a few times um, and, you know, I'd say about half a one, half a didn't. Um, it's a bit did annoying. you make a note of their names and where they no, live? No, uh, they do have their usernames come up. Um, so if you're that bothered, you could like, <laughs> set, you could make a note of it and search them out and be like, you dick, why did you fucking do that? Uh, but it's but that that's funny. part of the experience. Yeah. I, I like that whole, you know, that someone is actually screwing you over in real life. Yeah. There's it's tons like, yeah. of stories out there. You can go to, um, yeah, go to Reddit or whatever, where people will go to town on trying to like fuck you over as much as possible. Um, in Dark Souls, for instance, there's an item which will make you look like a piece of furniture. And okay. so you can, if I remember rightly, I heard about a story where um, the guy uh, had got invaded or something. And so he turned into like a bit of the furniture, like a table or whatever, and he just sat there. And he's just watching this <laughs> invader, like running around this level, like trying to fucking find him. Um, and yeah, he just kind of sat there and let him do it. Um, there's little stupid things like that. Um, and yeah, but you can, um, you know, there's, there's emotes, you can't speak to each other. So you're not like talking to the person or whatever, but there are like emotes. So you can like, the idea is that you bow before a duel. That's kind of one of the things that you should do, but which a lot Mm. of people don't, but, um, and all this stuff. And like, if like, you know, fist pumping and all this stuff, if you beat a boss together or whatever and all this, um, nice. I like there's some etiquette to the game. Yeah. But it's self-imposed as well. That's not, the, the game doesn't tell you to do it. That's just people. That's what I mean. It's part of this Within whole culture the behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really good. But yeah, so it's an interesting like multiplayer experience. But I, it doesn't work the same way. Yeah, I think you can. I think do it's it. really cool. I really yeah. like that about it. This like, like friend or foe aspect. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice freeze on and an edge to everything. Yeah, that's what I mean. You can ask for a friend. Like someone won't just. Well, pe- I think people can invade and then help you. If I remember rightly, depending on. Um, faction or whatever but um normally you have to like call for help basically um but yeah the, the, that's the point is that the idea you could just be going through the game and then suddenly fuck i'm invaded great <laughs> like brilliant and then you're just seeing this like little red guy like coming closer and closer to you in the background you're like oh fuck's sake he's coming if he, if he is he's gonna find me um and normally they're all like really super powerful because <laughs> they've been doing it for ages but they do kind of like try and level it with where you are level wise but um you do get people who take advantage of that and are maybe just super pro and just get up to a certain level and stop so that they make sure they're still put in with people. Otherwise, if you're too high a level, then you won't get put in with people of that level as well because there's only like three of you playing at once, for instance. Yeah, um, it, yeah there's a whole thing, a whole thing behind it. Um, another part of the game is this weird thing called the Chalice Dungeons. Now, this is kind of like the end game stuff. So if you've completed the game, but you still want to do some more Bloodborne, then you can do this. And basically you get like a lot of, you get a lot of cool items this way. You get a lot of bosses who you won't get in the normal game, but it's a bit of a slog because essentially you have these like predetermined uh, rooms um, with just like, you're doing the same thing again and again, which I know people say, well, it's what you're doing anyway. Um, But it's in the same rooms, the same like structure, 
um and you're just kind of slogging away at it to get to these like bosses and get these items and each time it gets a lot more difficult and there's tons of them and the idea is that this is where part of where this this old blood came from was these chalice dungeons and there is a story element to it as well if you want to go that deep um that deep in it where it was like the mother of one of the ancient ones that were born or whatever is like one of the bosses for instance um stuff like that which is all quite interesting but i never did any of that just because i could not be bothered was, i'd already played like whatever 40 50 hours or something of the bloody thing so i was like you yeah, know i'm done um but there's th- that there's that element to it as well which you can do offline um and you can keep going with that and there's but you can kind of bring in um, different items to create a chalice dungeon and all this stuff and you can play other people's I think so that's a whole other part of the game which kind of gives it a bit more longevity as well um, so it's definitely like a, a, a good purchase um, and uh, yeah it's um, it's a Dark Souls style but a lot faster um, a lot more on the front foot and yeah it's um, a pretty cool game to actually physically play it just feels good as well like the noises the blood everywhere the cool weapons you get um it's pretty sweet i liked the uh, music as well that i heard yeah um the soundtrack sounds pretty good the soundtrack is good and uh, i think what we'll do is we'll take a little break now and yeah we'll kind of come on a bit more into like the design and the music of it the kind of sheen the aesthetic and uh yeah see what we see what we think of that one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So yeah, coming on to the next part of the bubble, and it's kind of going into a little bit of the nitty gritty, which is um, which we kind of touched upon already, which is the design, the music, the sound design, and all this stuff. Um, and I think a good, actually, a good place to maybe start is kind of um, showing a little bit of that uh, boss fight, the Vicar Amelia boss fight, um, for people to kind of listen to the kind of sounds and music um, of uh, what actually happens within the game. 
and just the sheer terror basically that kind of that kind of comes from it so i might just play a little bit of that now Somebody had a good time making some of those screams, right? In the studio. I have no idea how they put that together. Like, it's, it is absolutely blood-curdling. <laughs> like, it's, it's beyond, like, it's like an animalistic noise, but also, like, with the tinge of, like, human pain. Um, I think maybe they actually found the actual creature from The NeverEnding Story and, uh, and, and, and just slayed it in the studio. Tortured him. <laughs> captured his dying screams yeah the reason why is because he looks a bit like <laughs> the dragon the white dragon thing <laughs> he i think it's she sorry um uh, in uh yeah never ending never ending story which is referenced in the latest stranger things as well isn't that funny um remarkable. yeah if it's quite remarkable so as we said it's kind of very like lovecraftian it's very uh gothic uh, very horror um and yeah, I think there's a there's an element here where every the amount of detail that goes into these games with Miyazaki and from software um, is incredible, and everything just looks beautiful in its like horrid darkness um, and its you know horrific nature. Every little bit, every house, every table, every um, world, every part of it has been just is so intrinsically. Uh, valued basically they've just put so much effort into every single detail of this that um yeah you can just kind of go around and be amazed by it i think um and it's the same with the music as well right like it's uh it feels epic um when it needs to especially with the uh, boss fights and it's worth keeping in mind um as well the same with um uh, dark souls is that it's very quiet most of the time as you're kind of walking mm. around, which means that when you get the boss fights come in and the music comes up, it makes it feel like uber epic um, because, you know, it's suddenly everything's happening. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's, it's like everything was just really quiet like two minutes ago. And now like there's this, this huge like musical score and like there's loads of noises going on and I'm, I'm panicking, like rolling around and trying to kill this thing. Um, yeah, it's uh, it works on a and again that's what I love about um, these games is that it works everything works on a gameplay level as well. Um, they just thought about the relationship between each kind of aspect of making a game and it all affects the other. Yeah, um, did you think it was a bit um, steampunky? A lot of people said it's a little bit steampunk. I'm not quite sure. I didn't see that in the footage I saw. I you know, I. I, I picked up on it looked very like i said like tim burton's gotham to me uh, like you said european gothic mm. um initially there's this opening shot of these buildings and a very narrow street and then it pans down and there's some like really dingy uh, discarded um old school victorian looking pram mm. um and then it kind of Move to a more sort of like outdoors, fantastical uh, scene. Mm. Um, so none of that spoke to me of steampunk. I think that's just being used as a sort of catch-all that's 
was thrown around a lot five years ago. Yeah, and as well, I think because like a lot of steampunk stuff was in that was based in that era um, of the like I don't know industrial age. I've no idea, but like it's like the past basically. So when things are like seen as that kind of like they take place within that time of you know kind of Victorian past or something like that. People just a bit like, oh, it's a bit steampunky because there's also that, it's also a little bit of like, I think because of the weapons, say, and the guns and stuff like that. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of like technology almost in there, um, which is a bit... Yeah, what are the weapons like? Are they all sort of mechanical? Some of them are, some of them are. So one that I used, um, which I got in the old Hunters DLC, and then I went back and used for like, um, probably the second half of the game was a thing called a whirly gig saw. Um, ah, that sounds good. Which was cool. So it's basically like a circle with spikes on, and you can um, use it as you would like, I don't know, like a normal um, saw thing. You could use it as like, wait, well, you kind of had like the, um, how do I put this, like the, the butt of it. So it's like a big stick, yeah. basically. But then when you put the um, spiky um, saw, thing like a circular saw and it you could like rev it up so with a lot of like Uh the monsters and stuff you just stick it out and just like turn it on basically it's going and it's just like chopping up the bosses or whatever that's so satisfying that reminds me of doom yeah it's like that it's like a chainsaw literally but literally what it is it's like a weird chainsaw um okay so that's i can see then why some people would say that's like a steampunky kind of thing yeah Things like I mean, that. Having versatile weapons like that where you can play around with them and use them in different ways, that's really fun. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the weapons I like, the like that. Yeah, are really cool. You get like, um, like you know, what else? You can get like just like axes, but you can get like swords that kind of like uh, stretch out kind of thing, um, which are pretty cool. Um, Spectre Gadget. Spectre Gadget style. Um, yeah, there's a whole heap of like really different weapons. But a lot of people like will, you know, um, go around and like try and max up every single weapon um, because each one just completely changes your play style um, as you play it. And it, you could use a different weapon and play the whole game again and you'll it'll be a little bit like you're playing a different game almost. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the beauty, the beauty of it. Um, Can you just go in um, just with your fists? I think so. I'm pretty sure you Punch can. your way through the game? Yeah. Um you definitely can in uh, Dark Souls. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can uh, do that, but I might be I might be wrong. Um, What's your favourite weapon to use? Mine was was definitely that Whirly Gig saw. I loved that. Yeah. That's great. And then the um, uh, it's not called a shot shotgun. It's like a butter burst or whatever it's called. What do they call it? One of those old guns. Oh, blunderbuss. <laughs> blunderbuss. That's it. Um, like that. That was always a favourite. So in a short distance, because by that point I'm panicking. They've got that close. <laughs> like, yeah. to, I'm not shooting from far off targets. I'm, I'm getting in there. And if they're about to swipe, stop. I want something to stop them in their tracks if I can. Um, nice. Blast a shrapnel in the face. Yeah, exactly. Take that, you bastard. And then get behind them and basically do a massive attack. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds weird. It sounded weirder than I meant it to. Um, I guess one of the uh, one of the big things of this game and all, all these games is that the enemy designs are great, but the the bosses is where it's at. Essentially, a lot of people say Dark Souls and Bloodborne are essentially um, a series of boss battles with some shit in between, which I kind of understand because each boss battle is like really super memorable, um, and there's a lot you get a lot, and each one 
um, makes you, it's really super difficult. It makes you have to reassess what you've been doing throughout the entire game. Um, and the design, just literally the design of them um, is amazing, like beautiful in its horror as well. And I think that's where Bloodborne really sticks out. I think it's got some of the best bosses throughout the entire like from software um, series. And that's really saying something. Um, I heard some people, sorry. Go on. You go. I was going to say, just because it's very like visceral and it feels um, kind of like what we were saying before, like Cronenberg and body horror and stuff like that. It feels very um, like nasty and the amount of detail that's on it, like bandages, like dripping with blood and like, you know, fire and poison or whatever and all this stuff. It's just, um, it's cool. It's really cool. Some nice, nasty stuff. Mm. Yeah, I heard a lot of uh, talk from people saying that some of these boss battles, some of the best gaming experiences they've had, mm. and it's a kind of, it's like a, almost like a life experience that they've kind of absorbed and will stay with them forever and ever. Mm. Yeah. That's how uh, poetic it was. Yeah, there was, um, it was a bit weird for me because I had done Dark Souls 1, 2, 3 and then Bloodborne back to back. Um, And there was, uh, so by that point, um, when I finished Bloodborne, I was like, I was kind of used to these like a big, amazing boss experiences. (laughs) That makes sense. Um, But when I think back, uh, and I think it's the same thing. A lot of people say like the first, your first like Soulsborne game is your your favorite because um, it's the first one that opened you up to all this stuff. So I think the fact that I played Bloodborne like last um, in that series means that it probably didn't have as much of an effect as it would have had I not played, had it not been like my first game um, in, in the series of playing these, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, some of them, like that Vicar Amelia boss fight, just those noises that was happening as I was trying to fight it. I was just like, that really stuck with me. Um, Did it scare you? It, it was weird when it's really late at night and you've got it quite loud. It's like, Did you do a wing? Hell. Uh, no, well, nothing scares me, Dan. I'm, I'm a man. Did you I'm cry? An adult. <laughs> no, I didn't. I cried afterwards um, when I was like, I've, you know, killed it. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. That's it. You've been through this big uh, battle, and suddenly it's done. And just like uh, release the the tension, just out of sheer relief. Out of sheer relief. Um, yeah, it's uh, for some of them. I think um, the last boss I did was after I completed the Orphan of Cos. There was a boss called um, I think it was Lawrence, the first first vicar, who um, he ends up. He like he's fine to begin with. But then he kind of basically loses half his body and he's on the floor swiping at you and he's got f- like lava pouring out of his ass or his spine or whatever <laughs> by that point. And so you can't really get close to him and I wasn't really sure what to do. And I did that so many times um, that it uh, hurt me. Um, it got close to uh, people may know that listen to this, like when I did um, The Nameless King in Dark Souls 3, that was the most I'd ever attempted at any boss. And I would say that was probably about 70 times, maybe I tried doing this boss. And um, Lawrence got, was the only one that's kind of got close to that. I would say Lawrence probably took me about 45 tries in the end, probably till I actually defeated him. Um, Devious Lawrence. Yeah, it was just like hardcore. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, when you do really well, 
at the start and then you seem to like not be able to go back to that initial um level of success you're like how am i getting worse the more i'm playing it i don't understand no it sounds like (laughs) it's like the setup for one of those logic puzzles it's like there's a man lying on the ground surrounded by lava how do you kill him (laughs) it's a bit like that um and it's one of those things where it's like you know you've got to know when to roll what direction to roll you basically have to learn its methods um and you know be able to um that's the way to kind of defeat it so each one is a little bit like a little puzzle um in its own way um but they're really good and i'd like i highly recommend um people who you know people find it a bit difficult to maybe start with bloodborne um, and Dark Souls is now remastered, um, which you can kind of get on board with. But every every single one is as challenging as the other. Um, and I think people would really love Bloodborne. But again, part of the difficulty of it is that they, it doesn't tell you anything. So there's kind of a tutorial, but not really. It's just like you, you are kind of pretty much put straight in the firing line. Um, and a lot of people... Um, a lot of people find it difficult when you're not just told what to do at the start. So a lot of people fall off early and they don't get the full benefit of basically the the game and what it has to offer. And that's the thing is it's one of those things like in life, like the harder you work for it, the more you get out of it. And that's why these games do really well is because um, it doesn't patronize you, but also it asks you to actually put some effort in. And people sometimes mm. think that putting any effort in is too much effort. And that's where you won't like it. Now, for me, I get I get the buzz of like, I've worked at this, especially with a thing like an RPG, where it's like, I've really, like, you know, I'm, I'm really thinking about this. Like, I'm thinking about it all the time when I'm not playing it. Um, I'll watch stuff on it. I'll read stuff on it and all this. Um, and I get like a bit obsessive about it all. And um, yeah, I don't want it kind of like spelled out. I don't necessarily want yeah. like an easy experience. I like the idea of working hard for something and it getting paid off in the end. You're in the game battling. Yeah, it's supposed to be. It's like, you're you know. You're fighting. Yeah, and people oh, It makes like, me so angry hearing that, about these these la- these lazy layabouts. You don't want to be proactive and engage in the game. Yeah. Especially in this day and age, there's so much information available. If you're stuck, you just go on YouTube. Well, that's it. And that's what I don't it's understand. Not like me. Yeah. Back in the day, playing... Mickey Mouse in Castle of Illusion on the Sega Mega Drive. <laughs> hours, hours and hours I poured into trying to figure out how to get past that piranha on level three. Yeah. And there was no one to turn to. I even wrote a letter to Games Master. Games Master? Games Master. Can you tell me how to get through the piranha? Just go on YouTube, these people, honestly. Patrick Moore was always such a dick to those kids, wasn't he? His Games Master. <laughs> Why can't you do Sometimes it? You're throw, an idiot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he'd throw a crumb though from his table. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, well, part of the what's funny about these games is that, um, especially when it's the first Dark Souls, for instance, there's, there's quite a bit written about this about how um, people would get review copies, right? So the journalists would get the review copies, and they there's no yeah. one, there's nothing out there yet because it's not been released. So they would literally be going in blind. <laughs> yeah. And they would be able to, and a lot of people um, in the first Dark Souls, basically there was a um, mechanic whereby you got cursed. And it, it, you do get it in the other games as well a little bit. But what used to happen is in the first one, um, you would lose, each time you got cursed, you'd lose like whatever it is, like 20% of your maximum health, right? Um, yeah. And it ended up that it basically didn't have 
a limit. So if you kept dying to the same boss and getting, not boss, same enemy and getting cursed, it would mean that you would get to a point where if you got hit once, you were dead. Which, and that Mm. happens a lot in the game. And a lot of people found that very hard to deal with. Now, it was patched later on, whereby like, instead of going down to like a crumb or whatever, the lowest it would go down to is 25% of your health, basically. And then Mm. you were able to cure it. But the way to cure it was all the way back in a, fucking other side of the game which you've just come from um so you'd have to go back get cured go back and then try and get a little bit further on that side which a lot of people didn't even know how to do or anything when they were like reviewing the first dark souls so they were just stuck basically in this like horrid cycle where like they had to cross like half the game basically to try and get this cure without getting hit or touched by anything um which was like near impossible um, and yeah, it That's got patched quite bold, out. It's quite a bold move for when you're trying to promote your game, right? Yeah. And get reviewers on board. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it's quite funny. So apparently, like with the, a lot of these games, is that other journalists would talk to other journalists. They'd have their own like group chats, basically, hmm. to like help each other out with the game because there's nothing out in there. And it's like, that's true, like <laughs> difficulty. Um, not just like the fact where it's like, oh, I don't know what the controls are, or whatever. So, so fuck it. So we'll just look, just look online for like a simple thing that tells you how to do, you know, how to, what the controls are, that 10 things to know before you start Bloodborne. There's loads of shit like that. Um, just watch that and just get, and, but end of day, what I'm saying is that it really does um, pay off. Um, so I guess now, Dan, we're going to go into a little, um, a little segment um, called Nerd Corner. So basically, Nerd Corner is where we um, take a little part of the subject that we're discussing and nerd out over it. It's something that only a real nerd on the subject would appreciate. And for this one, Dan, um, I read the comics <laughs> that came out um, that came out around uh, Bloodborne. Um, and to give you guys a little bit more detail about it, there was uh, there was a few um, a few released. Uh, and the one, the one that I watched, um, I read was called the, the death of sleep and it kind of ruined the main game of Bloodborne for me, basically <laughs> a little bit because, um, the illustrations are quite good, but there was a boss, there's a boss in it that you get quite, you have to battle quite early on called the blood stuffed beast. He's a really good boss actually. Um, and essentially the comics was this thing hounding you as a hunter, a new hunter, someone else. Um, and you're trying to, um, uh, escort this uh, child to the fishing village that's at the end of the Old Hunters DLC. Now, the, throughout the game, as I was saying, it's called like Seek the Pale Blood. Seek the Pale Blood. You're not really sure what it is. And this, and the comic book basically says um, has this kid that's called like that is the Pale Blood. And in the in the comic book, it's like oh, so this the guy the hunters that you like oh, so this is the Pale Blood that you keep telling everyone to seek out. It's like, and in the fucking comic, it's like well. It could be, it could be anything. And you're like, right, okay. So basically what they've done is totally been non-committal to the idea of the message yeah. of the game. And it's really annoying. I hate that. It's really shit. It's just like, we've just kind of gone with something, doesn't necessarily, we, but we can't actually play with the law of the game properly. So we'll just kind of like shrug it off. So you basically escort this little like kid um, who's got these like special powers and then when you get to like the fishing village where like the orphan of Cos was this washed up old thing, whatever, um, 
he starts like fucking like turning into this like weird monster thing. It's all like disgusting and horrible, which is quite a good little um one a good panel of the comic book. Um and then yeah, you're like, Oh, I should kill it. But, you know, do you, don't you? And that's kind of how it ends, basically. Um, meanwhile, the whole like blood stuffed beast is chasing you. And I read it and was just like, eh. like completely forgot about it almost immediately after reading it. Um, and it was a real shame because uh, I was like, oh, this is cool that they're going to like explore a bit more of like um, stuff that happened like pre the game, it seems like. Um, mm. And yeah, it didn't really do much with really. it. It kind of fell a bit flat. Um, but that was just kind of indicative of like how how much I nerded out <laughs> over over Bloodborne, the fact I was willing to buy these shitty comics that just had like that were just totally ripping off everything that kind of went into the uh, the love of Bloodborne. So yeah, I don't unless you're really bothered about it, I wouldn't bother reading any of the comics because that doesn't seem like it's just worth it. Where did you get these comics from? Online. Uh, what were they um Amazon. were they issued in in the in the uk or just in the states i think they're uk as well um i can't remember the company um that that did them but there's like i think there's three um as in like three series if you know what i mean three books that were made up yeah. of smaller issues or whatever um oh, like uh trade collections yeah exactly um and yeah, they're not very good. To be honest, the Dark Souls ones, I think it's the same people. Um, the Dark Souls ones aren't particularly good either. Actually, to be honest, the Dark Souls ones are terrible. Um, there's, there was one um, I read, which is about one of the Black Knights and the first Dark Souls. And again, it was one of those things where it's like they've given the characters in the game like voices and their own like personalities, which differ from how I was viewing them in my head as I was playing the game and I was like, I don't like it. How they depicted like Seath the Scaleless in the comics was just terrible, which is like this dragon creature, which I won't go into. It's a whole thing. But um, yeah, not, not, not great. Um, Despite so, that, if somebody did want to read it, what would it set them back? Seven pounds, maybe. Seven pounds is too much. <laughs> don't, don't bother. Don't bother. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll kind of come on to our uh, final impressions now. Um, Dan, there was going to be an element here where we were going to pick a random celebrity <laughs> and try right. and do, and try. <laughs> but now that the reality of it is in front of us, um, I'm wondering whether we do that or whether we just My, give a final impression as per normal. Oh, final impression. I get it now. I get it. It's our final impressions, but it's also a final impression of a celebrity yes. giving their impression. That's right. Correct. Okay. Okay. And I'll try. I'll try and do an impression of it. This this has to work both ways as well. Like if you're heading up a subject, you're gonna have to do one that I pick up. <laughs> All right. Off the top of my head, Mel Brooks. All right. Fucking hell. <laughs> Let me just. Um, Mel Brooks. Let me um, just. I think. I think I can do this. I think that. Bloodborne was uh, it at a time and a place, and that was five years ago, and not very funny. <laughs> I didn't laugh once. A lot of blood. It's it's. 
But I had a great time playing that game. And, you know, he, Woody came up to me and he said, Mel, you made the elephant man. <laughs> and there's a lot of people in this game that look like the elephant man. And I said, you know, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. And I love it. I love this game. I give it, I get 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. That's 10, 10 things. And I give him 10 of them. It's me, Mel Brooks. I love Bloodborne. Love it. (laughs) Incredible. Wow. I was not expecting him to love it so much. (laughs) I wonder if that worked. I wonder if that was (laughs) worth it. I thought it was great. I, I don't know how you managed to pull that out of your ass. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm usually putting things in there, so that was good. Um, <laughs> so now we're going to, you know, we we liked it, but I think uh, let's listen to some other people's reviews and see what they think. I hate it. So in this segment, we're going to be um, going through the good and the bad reviews that sit online with Bloodborne. And Dan, I'm going to read this out. You tell me what you tell me what you think, okay? Okay. So this yep. first one um, is by Rico. It gives it five out of five stars. No idea about the game, but boyfriend loves. That's the title. Um, <laughs> okay. That's not, not the review. Is it, no, it's, it's, the, it's well, the, the reviews close to that. No idea about <laughs> game, but boyfriend loves. Compare with other games he has, I think this is slightly more challenging and more stuff going on. Quite entertaining to watch his play at least. <laughs> loves the game gave it five stars gave it five stars hasn't even played it <laughs> just like no I, I no think, idea about the game but i thought i'd give it five out of five <laughs> i think the general impression you get from watching someone else play uh is a, is a valid way of assessing uh, anything mm. you know i haven't read uh war and peace but I watched someone read a bit of it and they seem to enjoy it. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a great book. Top reviews, top notch. It's true, good point. Um, the next one is MWF. And the title of this is probably the greatest video game ever made. Um, and it goes, probably the greatest video game ever made. The best game on PS4 by light years. The only game I remember having such an impact on my senses is RE4. That's Resident Evil 4. Which to me was the greatest game ever made. But Bloodborne, I think, has just taken the crown a true gaming masterpiece. There you go. This guy loves it. MWF loves a bit of that. Five out of five. Sounds like a you know a nice level uh, critique there. Sounds like a sensible person. So exactly. Quite it's, nice. Yeah. Uh, like he's loving it. You know, and that is Man a lot with fingers. Exactly. A lot of a uh, lot of people saying that. Now let's go into the ones who didn't like it so much. So this is Owen. It's giving it one out of five. Mm. Ridiculously hard. I'm not one for giving up on games, but Bloodborne is ridiculous. The one thing that lets this game down is lack of game save, lack or game saves. There's a typo there with this that he's done. Like most these get, oh, I can't even read it. Like most these days, games have auto save as you progress. Bloodborne doesn't have this feature. Not true. There are checkpoints. That's me saying that. There are checkpoints you have to reach while which are so far apart you can't get through your current level without dying. But when you do, you have to start all over again. I'm not talking ten minutes of play here. You could be an hour in. 
diet and have to repeat everything you struggle to get past. Controls are meh and visuals are not as good as it was hyped up to be. Overall, it's poor. I like it. But they've got lanterns. You said lanterns. There's lanterns. Yeah, those lanterns are there. But that's the checkpoints that he's talking about. But it does kind of have an autosave feature because if you um, exit the game, if you like want to go and have a Wii, um, you can exit the game and it will just save you where you were, basically. So it does have kind of an autosave feature. Um, but yeah, if you die, you have to go back to your lantern. And that's kind of the point. Don't die. <laughs> yeah. Um, you or know, get better at putting lanterns around the place. This is it. Well, there's the culture of get good, Dan. G-I-T-G-U-D. Where just uh, people use it as a catch-all to be like, you're not good enough to play the game. Yeah. yeah so that's the advice to Owen, right? Get good. Yeah. Buck um, yeah. up your ideas, Malado. Well, you just have to re-tackle things. Like, you just have to take it on the chin and move on, basically. You don't have to get good. You know, you people, I'm shit at it. I'm shit at these games, really. But I just kind of, you know, get with it. The next one is by surprise, apparently. It's going. I hate this game. My boyfriend loves it, but it makes him moody. He plays it for hours. <laughs> and when I go the room to talk to him, he always dies and blames me. It's because you can't save it. So when you die, you have to start again from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. You can't save it. it. <laughs> uh, you can save what it. What a great review. <laughs> I love it's it. A little again, insight like, into the horrible relationship. Yeah, it's like completely opposite from that previous one. But it's also the fact that it's like, still not played it. They've not played it. She's gone out of her way to review it because her boyfriend plays it and he gets a bit moody with her. I'll show them. So that's it. That's Bloodborne. That was a that was quite the um, blood, sweat, and tears going, <laughs> going yeah. through that. Um, the show was born in blood. Exactly, Dan. Do you think you'd uh, play this game if you had a PS4 and the um, time? I'd I'd play it once to give it a give it a go. I'd set myself a limit. You know, I'd say I'm just going to play this for a few hours. And um, I don't know, maybe I'll get hooked and want to play a bit more. I definitely want to do the um, that multiplayer mm-hmm. thing. I, re- I, really, I really like that idea. I'd like to um, see that used in more more games. So now we're going to come up Oddborn. to... Oddborn. <laughs> True. Why didn't we do that at the start? <laughs> it works so well. Um, uh, so now uh, we come to a segment where we are going to choose next week's episode. That's right. We have a table full of stuff that we want to do and um, we'll randomly select um, using a computerized algorithm <laughs> what next week's, <laughs> what next week's episode will be. And you guys can have the chance uh, to send in what you think we should cover um, by going to oddcastoddballs at gmail.com, uh, our email address, and send in what, what you think you would like to see on the list. And it might get selected. It's got just as much chance as all the others. So why not? So Dan, are you ready to find out what next week's episode is going to be about? I'm on the edge of my seat. Right, I'm going to press the button and we're going to find out what it is. You ready? This is like the lottery. It is a little bit, isn't it? Who knows what's going to come up? Here we go. Well, it is one of uh, my selections. Yeah. It's Wild Beasts, the band. 
seeing as I just put the band Wild Beasts <laughs> instead of an album, um, I think it might be an idea that we, uh, I'll select a Wild Beast album that we do. How about that? Yeah, oh, we can have a general just chit chat about them. We can have a chit chat about a quick the band. cursory look at their career. Yeah. Well, what would you rather? What would you rather? What would you rather? Do you want to kind of do a deep dive on an album, or should we just kind of go through them willy nilly? Just do the whole their their whole career in an episode. Yeah, because I don't actually know that much about them. You know, uh, outside of a few songs, I think I don't even think I've heard any of their albums. So, oh, this is going to be yeah. an absolute treat for you. Um, okay, so <laughs> next next week's episode is on Wild Beasts. There we go. Um, Dan must be a bit gutted that I chose this one and then next week is one of mine. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't realise this was going to be actually part of the show. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, so, uh, it's part of the show now. This is it. <laughs> I thought this was just like some <laughs> something you designed to entertain yourself. <laughs> well, it does. Weird, it does that as well. episode generator. <laughs> it does both. Um, so yeah, um, what, what well, you know, take it on the chin, suck it up. I'm sure at some point we're going to hit my uh, every single Beach Boys album. Oh, God. So, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, my time will come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the way that's just one thing, which is good. Um, <laughs> just, just squeeze that into one episode, it'd be fine. Right, so next week, Wild Beasts. And I just want to say a big thank you for everyone for listening and see you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, guys. We're part of a new winter group, so head on over to newwinter.com to check out our other shows. Go to patreon.com slash newwinter to support the network. You can email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com and follow this and our other shows on Twitter and Instagram at a new winter. So, see you next time on The Oddcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 